Hello, and welcome to Required Reading, the podcast that revisits the most impactful books from our childhood. I'm your host, Erin Bowles. I'm a writer, actor, and I might be eating lunch. Sorry. Our guest today is one of my dearest friends in the world, April Conslow. She is an actor, writer, and filmmaker based in New York. And this year, she had her directorial debut in the short psychological thriller, Like Subscribe, and moved into the narrative podcast space as Ivy Duncan in the TTRPG podcast, Queer PG. You can currently find her as Ash in the film Cannibal Mukbang, which has accumulated numerous accolades in its festival run. I'm so excited to see it. And one thing also I'll say about last year, April told me to read Jenny Slate's book, which I'm reading currently, and it's my new Bible. Oh my God. I'm I'm obsessed with it. I love it. Little Weirds Hi, is everything to me. Hi. <laughs> It's so good. I think that Jenny Slate is like the genius of our generation. And yeah, I've read it already like two or three times. And it's like more highlighted and underlined than like any other book I've ever read. So I'm so glad you are reading it currently. I'm gonna end up carrying it with me everywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I love it so much. Our book today from 2005 is Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. Ooh. A classic. Um, A classic. (laughs) We've already done a 2005 book, so some of the history and context might be a little repetitive, but YouTube was launched. There's a new Pope. Charles and Camilla get married. Hurricane Katrina just wreaks havoc. The top song is Mariah Carey's We Belong Together. Wow. More, More context. I am in fifth grade, fifth or fourth grade. I am just entering the very beginnings of puberty. I have just left my Christian school that I was in for all of elementary school, and I am entering a Florida public school for the first time ever. And I I don't think I read Twilight until 2006 because um, Mm -hmm. New Moon had already been released. And I think that a lot of my initial reactions and connections to Twilight comes directly from that transition because it's like yeah I mean I'm going from a child to like a preteen a teenager and this is the horniest book that's ever been written for children (laughs) yeah pretty much and uh it really it but also it has like all of these you know like biblical references and shit because Stephanie Meyer is from that world as well. And Mm -hmm. it just, it felt like she was speaking directly to me. And I'm sure a lot of young adults and prepubescent children felt the same way. Oh, yeah. I know the movie came out when I was starting middle school. And so Mm -hmm. that's how all of us got exposed to it for the first time. And Kristen Stewart, I don't think anyone really knew. Robert Pattinson was the guy from Harry Potter. Um, Right. And we did a Hunger Games episode talking about love triangles and like you're wearing a Twilight shirt. Everyone, everyone in middle school had, it it was not an issue that you could not have an opinion on. You had to be Jacob or Edward, a phenomenon. But I had a Team Edward shirt. It has unfortunately been lost to my I'm not like other girls phase that happened when I was in high school. Um, I got rid of all of my Twilight paraphernalia, deeply upsetting to me to this day because I had all of like the OG, I mean, your viewers can't see, but I am wearing a shirt. It's an Eclipse shirt and it has Bella in the center and Edward and Jacob on either side. 
And um, this is like an original Twilight merch shirt, Mm -hmm. but there's so many fake ones on the internet now, but I had like literally five or six like OG amazing Twilight t-shirts and like bags. I think I had like a locket with like the the Cullen crest on it. I had multiple posters. (laughs) No, I'm telling you this, it defined, it like defined my early puberty for me. This book was everything. And everyone around me felt the same way. Yeah. You know, like we were all, yes, you're right. Everybody had to have an opinion. I remember having extremely heated debates with my friends in the lunchroom about the minutia of like every little thing from the books and then later the movies. And when did you read Twilight? Was it in the beginning of middle school? Like how do you, did you read it first and then see the movies or did you? I think it was probably like, um, I saw the trailer probably and then everyone was reading it. And I only read, Mm -hmm. I only ever read the first one. Um, I think as soon as I was trying, I mean, they're thick books for, for a middle schooler. Yeah. And I think I was trying to get into new moon. And I think that's when I discovered like, you know, my defining book, which was Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. And I was like the, sorry guys. And I think I was also like, I'm (laughs) above this. I'm better Mm -hmm. than this. I was in middle school when the first and second movie came out. And I remember someone in I think eighth grade won from a teacher won tickets to the midnight premiere but it wasn't the midnight premiere of new moon it was the 9 p.m premiere because it's a kids movie (laughs) so my friend I think we were in the in Girl Scouts together and she was like I need someone whose parents can drive so can your Mm -hmm. mom and your friend come and it was trippy because the audience was mostly adult women who were like hooting and howling when Jacob was taking off his shirt and stuff. Um, yes. <laughs> I think I think I saw Eclipse at a birthday party, like a birthday party to go see it. And I think it might have been a double feature with either Eat, Pray, Love or the Avatar movie, like the Avatar, Please. The Last Airbender movie. And then I never saw either Breaking Dawn movie until I was in college because I I had this attitude of like, well, no one invited me, so I didn't see it. And then Mm -hmm. I had like a weekend, I think our senior year, where it was all I did. But a little on Stephanie Meyer, she was raised LDS, which is Mormon. She was raised in Arizona. The book very famously came to her in a dream on June 2nd, 2003. And based on this dream, she wrote chapter 13, which I think is the Meadow chapter. And then wrote to the end of the book and then came back and wrote chapters one through 12 to get to that point. She completed it in three months. And I never did another draft. No, I mean, maybe she did, but I mean. (laughs) And I, I think like surprisingly, a lot of the characters names not all of them, but there are multiple characters named after her family members. Like there's Seth is one of her children. Jacob is one of her brothers. Is her brother. Yeah. Which like, which I think one of the things that blew my mind about this book and we can just dive in is how like inconsequential Jacob is in this book. He's introduced as like a 14 or 15 year old she's like this young little guy I'm gonna this blew my mind I'm gonna flirt with him to like 
practice my flirting skills so that I can Mm -hmm. be better. He's barely in it. Blew my mind because that's, I think, the main thing you remember and take away from it, from the whole phenomenon. Is the love triangle, right? But he's like, and even even in the film, I mean, he's like, he just has that one scene. And then I think maybe the film expanded upon the end, like prom bit to like make him like, yeah. because they they knew what was coming at that point. But in yeah, in the book, he's just like, I mean, Jessica and Mike are like way bigger characters yes. than Jacob is. And I think that that's why she felt comfy, like naming him after yeah. her brother, maybe, hopefully. But then also, apparently, and some people might know this, Forever Dawn right? It was supposed to be a trilogy of Twilight, New Moon, and then Forever Dawn. And Forever Dawn was like kind of a a mishmash of what happens in Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. And in Forever Dawn, the the Renesmee thing was always, always there, even before it got split up into the multiple books and and films and things like that. Like, lots of weird dynamics going on i'm ready to go back to english class and write a very detailed essay on this book about like why bella is interested in edward because i mean we'll just get it out here because Mm -hmm. edward acts like a parent and treats her like a child and Mm -hmm. neither of bella's parents have really been parents she's been there to like has to pay renee's bills has to like always be reassuring charlie that he's like doing a good job there's mm-hmm. so many little things of even like and then edward rocked me in his arms in a rocking chair like a baby just it's so much blew my mind yeah she like finally she like desires so deeply like to be protected but then also in the same breath is like i don't care if mm-hmm. i die you are i'm i need you in my life so much that I don't care if you kill me. I would rather like die by your side, you know, to die by your side is a heavenly way to die. Like truly peak emo, like, Mm -hmm. and I like, I was feeling that too. I was like, that's what love is going to feel like. It's going to be this intense, deep thing. And like, I almost feel like Stephanie Meyer gets so close to the point because she like references like Romeo and Juliet and Wuthering Heights, like Bella's so well read, you know, and all of her favorite books are these like tragic romances that if you read Wuthering Heights, you know, there's like, there's a level above like just the tragic romance where it's like commenting on it. And same with Romeo and Juliet. But like, I don't think Twilight ever gets there. It's just the pure unadulterated horny tragic sad obsessive love which like honestly though that's why we read Romeo and Juliet and Wuthering Mm -hmm. Heights I mean maybe I mean I'm you know Shakespeare nerds I have like a million Shakespeare books on there there's a lot a lot more reasons to read Romeo and Juliet but I mean the staying power of the story is that it's it's like that desire for this like all-consuming obsessive love and you know then you add vampire on top of it like literally consume me drink mm-hmm. my blood and bella's obsession with edward being the one to turn her you know yeah, yeah. she wants his venom <laughs> so bad it's sick i forgot about the venom until until right there at the end oh my gosh 
And I think that is something that like I oddly respect, not oddly, that I respect in the books is that Stephanie Meyer's like, no, I'm doing my vampires. I'm doing vampires my way. Um, Oh, yeah. And I don't think the execution is great, but like she's got guts. And I like when Bella's like researching all the different kinds and there's like an Italian one where it's like, it's a good vampire. It's a good one. And like being raised on Buffy, which was Buffy ended in 2003 very it was in the air yeah and like in uh all the like lj smith books were coming out too so it was like all of these you know the vampire diaries obviously but also like all these other little books that i read that were like he's a demon but you're in love with him and he's a vampire and you're in love with him it's like why it was the era of monster boyfriends and mm-hmm. honestly iconic of everyone involved yeah. Because obviously there was like no queer stories. So it was always like a monster boyfriend and then, you know, our heroine. And like the girls were always so smart and capable and like sarcastic and like not like other girls and well-read and like gorgeous, but like not in the in the way that, you know, they were always just pale. Like they were like stunningly gorgeous. And then it's like, ah, but I can't be hot like everyone else because of my porcelain skin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which oh, we which is also I think like that. like porcelain skin has been a huge thing since the dawn of time like mm-hmm. what are you, yes it's like maybe surfer boy era but that's it like so yeah exciting. but it was the 2000s so it was like yeah the only time like being spray painted orange was like the the epitome you know so they had to rebel yeah. against that obviously but like the the protagonists were always like they were the only ones that could like handle the monster boyfriends, right? Because they yeah. were like more interesting and they had more depth and like, so they could be with a 112 year old, 17 year old, mm-hmm. you know, because Bella's mature because she is the, she, yeah, she's like parentified. She's like has oldest mm-hmm. daughter syndrome, but she's the only daughter, you know, she does the grocery shopping for like her mom and then moves in with Charlie and then immediately does his grocery shopping that sort of thing so of course she makes him steak at one point she makes a full yeah, steak for him a full steak <laughs> and she, she's like I got caught up in my homework so I like almost burnt the steak and I'm like girl you're six seventeen is this 1916 what's happening yeah, exactly oh the Mormon the Mormon comes out constantly oh my god but yeah. I do think it makes sense from like a character standpoint that Bella would want someone that is able to take care of her and protect her, but also someone that just like really pays attention to her because famously Renee is like this completely absent mother who can't read her at all. And then Charlie is so alike to her that they just don't talk really. Charlie obviously loves her so much, but it is just like, he's the type of person where it is easier to love someone when you are not looking at them and like to be direct with it is just too much and I love that you said it about attention because it was something I wrote in my notes is like the ladybird quote of like isn't love and attention kind of the same thing and I think like as I was reading it I was like they're really I mean how many times does Bella talk about how beautiful he is every page three times every page. page yeah and they're both like neither of them are like you're really smart. You're really funny. You're really kind and caring. They're like, you're pretty or you're fascinating. And you're, and I need to puzzle you out. And that was annoying, but also like Mm -hmm. you are 17. 
I noticed more like 17 year old things I think about Edward than I did before. Mm-hmm. But like, just to get it out there. Yeah, Edward's a 112 year old man and should not be with a child. The end. Totally. Yes. However, <laughs> we just to carry Yeah, we're throwing it out there. 112 year olds should not be with 17 year olds. But in the context of this novel, I have never mm-hmm. wanted any two people to be together more in my entire life. Not even like in my own life have I ever wanted to be with someone more than I wanted Bella and Edward <laughs> to be together. Oh, it's like when I was rereading portions of this for this podcast, I couldn't get over how often she's like, he scrambled my thoughts with his eyes or like he unleashed the full power of his ochre orbs onto mine. Like, <laughs> I don't know if she said orbs. It's over but, the top. Like, it's so intense. Just that, but like the idea of that sort of obsession and love where it's like just meeting someone's gaze makes your whole body like, flush and you can't think of anything else I'm like yeah "Yeah, you're only that horny when you're 17 yeah and it was so fun to like be in her butterflies in the tummy Mm -hmm. it was so fun it really had me giggling and kicking my feet like as as an almost 27 year old I was like but when I was reading it for the first time when I was like 10 or 11 I hadn't felt that yet Mm -hmm. I hadn't had like a true crush And it would be maybe like two or three more years before I did have a true crush like that. And I was just like, oh, this just imagining feelings that intense. I was so excited for it. I like wanted to fall in love so bad. But then I was like looking around at the other like 10 year old boys (laughs) and I couldn't find anyone that, you know, would like be my Edward or even my Jacob. Like there was nothing going on in that department. So I really just lusted over Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart oh, yeah. simultaneously. Yeah, co- constantly. Congrats, no Rob. They do to me what they do to me. It's true. And like I oh, I was thinking the other day about like repression as I do <laughs> constantly and I think that that's the other like major facet of this book is that like it's so horny. They want each mm-hmm. other so desperately, but they they shouldn't be together. They're not supposed to. <laughs> Every page. Stolen glances, like lingering looks, like he brushes the back of his hand against my cheek and it's too much. It like it he's go- he he immediately regrets it. He's like I shouldn't have done that. She faints the first time they kiss, and I think she might faint the second time they kiss. And I think there's like maximum five kisses in this book, in this like yeah. five hundred. And every book. time she passes out, and no tongue. I want to. I want to go on the record and say that if you read all the books, Edward does not kiss Bella with tongue until like so late in the game, until she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah basically i think he doesn't kiss her with tongue until their honeymoon so she's passing out over closed lip smooches with a block of ice because it's cold and hard lips and she's like oh my god this is everything of fucking course we're gonna like romanticize the shit out of that like oh this like hard unyielding body and i'm just like small and soft and warm and and like even my lips like can't make him yield it's like beyond everything to me but also like obviously such dangerous ideology oh my god yeah to be putting in the heads 
I think those were like the two major things I remember like adults saying because there was so much like universal disdain for these books I think for adults at least in my world and it was like number one Bella is a flat character which is the I think my biggest disagreement like reading this Bella is a surprisingly detailed at least like she has a lot going on she has some really interesting really interesting stuff like before like you get the big admission that he is a vampire Bella is like I will not be gaslit I refuse to be gaslit I know what's happening and I think the other thing was that it's an abusive relationship and I can't yeah I can't argue with that it's not a good relationship Yeah, it's terrible. It's really bad. Yeah, he holds all of the power. And I think maybe that's where that argument of Bella being a flat character comes from, because before they're in a relationship, we have so much characterization like Mm -hmm. of Bella, you know, yeah, we, we get so much of her like responsibility and her feeling more mature than her peers, her like awkwardness. And like, I think that a lot of the quirky, clumsy, like, Stephanie Meyer being clumsy is not a character flaw or whatever thing (laughs) from people that like are hearing about it secondhand because like when you read it I like feel the humiliation of being a teenager and I think that a lot of adults forget that simply existing as a 16 year old is the most humiliating thing that will ever happen to you and yes tripping in front of your crush makes me want to jump off of a building like genuinely it's not like an exaggeration she's not being like a silly girl like that's the intensity of emotion that you're feeling at that age and we at that age are reading it and being like she gets it she is me and yes she like is so smart and like oh she's already done this unit in biology class she's already read all the books in english class but like you know what that was me (laughs) that was like absolutely me Mm -hmm. I was so smart I had to go to a special school for smart people exactly I think that's I think that's like the perfect the reason why Bella spoke to so many people is like she sees herself as so completely average and you have someone saying like no you're so special you're so special it's in your blood these things you can't even know about your smell there's which like, like, oh this, my god is yeah, the horniest thing I've ever heard him just constantly being like oh, the way you smell like it makes me need to consume you I'm like what yeah. reading that now I, is I actually am physically blushing right now thinking about mm-hmm. it it is like I think one of the the like maybe common known things about this series now is how much Robert Pattinson fucking hated it and I think like when I don't know he was probably like 21 or something but I think like as an adult you're like this is surreal and I don't know that like anyone would really be able to play Edward well because it is like so even Robert Pattinson said it it's like Stephanie Meyer wants to be with this person this is not a real person this is like accumulation of dreams oh god if you if anyone has ever watched the commentary for the first Twilight movie with Catherine Hardwick, Kristen Stewart, and Robert Pattinson. It's required viewing. It is the funniest. Mm-hmm. I I not only have the whole movie memorized like line for line, but I also have that commentary memorized line for line because I watched it so many times as a kid. And it's just like he hadn't done like a ton. I mean obviously Harry Potter was huge, mm-hmm. but like prior to that, he hadn't done that many movies. And both him and Kristen are like self 
professed like deep introverts, which I think Mm -hmm. is why they were cast because in the books, it's the same way. Like these characters are deeply introverted. They connect on this like very deep, intense level. And both Rob and Kristen are like just exude like quiet intensity. But then they gave him like a bouffant in his words and like berry lipstick and like all of these, you know, stylistic choices the wire and the collar so it's never <laughs> like straight and my favorite thing God, yes and but also you know Catherine Hardwick got it in the same way Absolutely. that I think that you know, she just like understood teenage angst you know I mean to do 13 and to do Twilight makes perfect sense in my brain and then they got a bunch of like middle-aged men to come in and make the rest of them and I truly think that if Catherine Hardwick had directed all of the movies they would not be receiving the same i mean we're like in a twilight renaissance now but for a long time they received a ton of shit and i don't think that kristen and rob would have hated them potentially as much but that's just my my personal theory um that's totally right this is a complete tangent um do you know claire denis the french director writer yeah Mm -hmm. so her most recent film or at least recent that's gotten like broad spread is stars at noon with margaret qualley and joe alwyn i've Mm -hmm. seen it it's like it's pretty good but reading about it it's like robert pattinson was busy and he was supposed to be the joe alwyn character and like couldn't and so she went ahead with it and he's like no 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 claire you should have waited this this dude can't do it and i know robert would well because the other thing that rob has that edward is described as having is just this like incredible magnetic draw that is just like innate that he isn't like trying to put off. In fact, he's actively fighting he against it. it. We went to the same college in Savannah, Georgia. They had a annual film festival. Robert Pattinson came in our sophomore or junior year for good time. And I worked across the street from this cafe. It was Collins Corner. And I remember like either going into work or out of work. And he was sitting at a table by himself, clearly waiting for someone. I've never seen someone so uncomfortable, just so like viscerally like, and then someone like the person he was meeting came and you could see it just like melt off. He's like, oh my God, I don't have to be just by like, myself anymore. <laughs> like so charismatic, so interesting, so smart, unbelievably attractive. And both him and Edward are like, please don't look at me. Do not perceive me. But like, that's the so magnet- teen. It's so teen. Yes, exactly. Like you don't see your own like brilliance. And also like you're starting to like perceive that other people are attracted to you, which, oh my gosh, that reminds me of the parade of boys that ask Bella to yes. the, the girl's choice dance. And she just like gets angrier and angrier throughout the day. <sighs> That was so incredible. That's a really amazing sequence to me that mm-hmm. like they're all asking her to the girl's choice dance. I wish we would have had the a guy who, who hit her with yeah, his car. The guy. But, <laughs> and also, and but then like Edward, like this is in the books for those of you that only watch the movies. Edward specifically like blocks her from leaving the parking lot in her in his car so that this final boy can come ask her to the girl's choice stance because he can read Tyler's thoughts and knows that Tyler like wants to get out of his car and ask her. So he blocks her so that he can listen to her reject him, which is sick and twisted. And I love it. And I, it's so like gossipy drama, like 
yum, 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 yum. I, I eat it up. I love it so much. He lives for the drama. He's a bit of a drama queen, Edward. Very in the drama. I also, at one point, it said that he's from Chicago. And I don't even really know what a Chicago accent is like. So my, like the second half of the book, I was like trying to imagine him in this weird, like half Chicago accent. Um, and I wish Rob had gone for it, but it was pro- probably someone above them said, no, don't do that. And he probably was like, let me do it. He was fighting for his life with the American accent. Okay. He really was. Yeah. He really was. Oh my God. There's, what is that specific line? Oh my God. Oh, it's like when he jumps on top of her truck and she has the ponytail and she has her uh, headphones in and she's like cleaning her truck. And then he like pulls the dent out of her truck and he's like, so you're what? <laughs> Hold on. I'm laughing too hard. He says it like in a total Irish accent. He's like, so you're worried. Not that you're going into a house full of fires, but it's like, full leprechaun for like half of a line incredible at the same time just like talking about mid-aughts cultural impact i think Mm -hmm. like in the harry potter franchise probably to me the most devastating moment is cedric's death with robert pattinson's death when his dad is discovers it and he's (gasps) screaming my boy my boy which has become a very comedic line because that actor gives it a hundred percent and the rest is giving it 80 percent um Like, I say that every day, and it's hilarious, and I know it's been a TikTok sound, but the boy is Robert Pattinson, and just in case you're young, and you did, who, I mean, who's listening to this besides my friends, but just in case you don't know, that's the boy. Mm-hmm. I really thought that that this was a video podcast as well, and that's why I searched so desperately for this Twilight shirt. It probably should be, you know, I probably should yeah. do that and put it on TikTok. Um, it adds. Anyway. I just want you all to know it adds. It's yes. it's presence. They're all here with us right now. And you have like a, a lace cami under it, long oh, yeah. sleeves, which is so Bella. So thank you. Very yeah, you did it right. All of the girlies now wearing like the skinny arm long line henleys and like boot cut jeans and lace camis and like multiple leather bracelets. I hope you all know you're just dressing like Bella Swan. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bella Swan in the movie because Bella Swan yes. in the books, her Kathy fashion, happy skirt. skirt. Oh my god, a completely indecent. It's the bottom of the page on the left in my book. I found a, a book in a little free <laughs> library near me as I was reading, like when I was like a third of the way through magical serendipity on the bottom of the left page it is said that bella is like wearing her best skirt which is khaki and then on the top of the page on the right edward says no one should look as tempting as you do a maxi khaki skirt i have to clarify that it goes down to her ankles and she's wearing like a blue sweater that like it's not particularly low but it does have a v-neck and so she's driving my man Edward Cullen insane in her maxi khaki skirt. Um, I think that's like peak Mormon moment. Besides, mm-hmm. they make such a big deal that she purposefully takes cough medicine to try to go to bed one time. She never and drinks coffee. She only drinks Coca-Colas. She drinks Coca-Cola so many times throughout these this book series. So that she can stay awake because Edward never sleeps. But she never goes to drink a coffee. And like, obviously, again, I'm a teenager. I don't drink coffee yet. It doesn't even occur to me. I'm like, yeah, Bella doesn't want to stunt her growth. 
Um, but that's actually exactly what she wants to do. She wants to never grow ever again. She wants to be 17 forever. But yeah, it doesn't occur to me. Why wouldn't she drink a coffee? But yeah, that is a Mormon thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really do wonder about like the other girls specifically that were like in my Christian school when I was growing up and like what they thought of Twilight because when I was reading it in middle school, obviously like actually, okay, we had the general library at the middle school and then we had the young adult section that was in a different room and you had to get a permission slip signed by your parents to have access to check out the books in that room. And I didn't have any friends, so I ate my lunch in the library with the librarians, (laughs) and I had the permission slip signed and everything, but the Twilight books, they had so many copies, dozens of copies, and they were all always checked out, all always on hold, but if I would go in on Fridays and be like, hey, did anyone bring in the next book in the Twilight series, and if they hadn't checked it out, even if it was on hold, the librarian would let me check it out because she knew that I could read it in two days, and I would just bring it back on Monday before the, the day started, you know? But, so, so, like, not... You. It really is. But all the girlies also had the permission slip signed, and they were all obsessed with it, and, like, everyone had read it. Everyone had an opinion. But I do wonder, like, did Mormon... Were Mormon, like, children allowed to read it? Were, like, Christian... I Because I, I know, like, a lot of Christian families were, like, very against Twilight um, mm-hmm. and saying that it was, like, pornographic and, like all of yeah. that and like sacrilegious um and they also said that about harry potter i also got my harry yeah. potter book taken away from me in when i was in that, that christian school they were like stop reading child yanked it out of my yeah. hands and didn't, didn't give it back until my mom threw a fit in the in the front office but i just wonder i wonder about like the jesus and then like edward as savior yes. as protector like- Perpetual savior is a quote I wrote mm-hmm. down of, of a way that Bella describes him. Yes. Yes. And like Maybe. also like omniscient, you know, in that he knows everyone's mm-hmm. thoughts. And then like, you know, through Alice is able to see the future and has lived so much of the past. Like he really is like very godlike. I do think it's interesting that Stephanie Meyer chose to not let him read Bella's thoughts. I mean, obviously it's just yeah. like literary wise it wouldn't work mm-hmm. you know yeah and like romance wise it also wouldn't work because you can only be in love with someone if you have to keep figuring them out yeah. to an extent you know like there would be no romance there would be no tension there would be no obsession if he could read her thoughts obviously and he even says as much in midnight mm-hmm. sun but it's an interesting thing that she added in because otherwise he is basically god yeah. But he can't read her thoughts. Mm-hmm. Which, like you said, it drives the whole thing. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the the smell and that. And, I mean, do we ever really find out, is there ever a why on why she smells so nice and can't? Because I have the quote here. It's, a, vam- says, it's a vampire thing. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Read the quote. No, Sorry. no, no. <laughs> I just have, um, she's, like, asking, why do you think you can't hear me? And he goes, Maybe your mind doesn't work the same way the rest of theirs do. Like your thoughts are on the AM frequency and I'm only getting FM. And I was like, okay, autism. Got it. Well, <laughs> we, there's there's a, there's a whole lot I could say about Bella Swan as a, a neurodivergent icon. The next thing is I'd always suspected as much and it embarrassed me to have it confirmed to be so different, which is also very like, and that's the teen thing of like, do not look at me no matter what happens. Do not look at me. Mm-hmm. I think the the smelling blood thing is explained in like maybe a later book 
But basically, because it says that like a few of the other Cullens have had that happen to them, but like none of them had ever fought it, right? Or maybe right, that's a midnight yeah. sun. Basically that like they say that someone's blood will like sing to you and it's just like a very potent specific thing and it's random and most of the time vampires just immediately eat that person. Like nobody mm-hmm. ever tries to hold back um, that, that desire. Ugh. And, but Edward's and like so horniness. Yeah. yeah. That's the repression. That's he's like, you yeah. in particular, I need carnally. I crave your literal body parts. I crave the inside of you so deeply that it drives me insane. I have to like, like, I have to be physically restrained from taking yep. you. He later describes their first interaction as like, I was trying my best not to slaughter our whole biology class because it smells so good, girl. Truly. And like, me and who? Like, really, yeah. me and who? Yeah, exactly. Like, that, especially when you're young. And I think that's how you see, I think that's how you see everything is in extremes. But it's like, wouldn't that be, imagine someone loving me that much. Imagine someone loving me not only being that obsessed with me, but then being so obsessed with me, they overcome their internal urges, their like their nature because mm-hmm. I'm that special to them. Yeah, and that's that's the whole thing. Reading this time, I realized like the the baseball game, of course, iconic, oh, uh, iconic. But that's when James and Victoria and Laurent enter, and what I didn't really realize is that last third feels like a different book. It escalates so quickly. It moves at such a breakneck speed. And I was really enjoying the first like third of it when it was really so normal. And Bella was just like, there's just this weird guy. I think there are a lot of books that I've read on this podcast where it's been like deeply uncomfortable to go back to being a teen. And this was not it. This was so fun. It, like all of the things with like Jessica calling her to be like, what did Edward say? And how was the date? And like, yeah, her trying to push Mike towards Jessica. It's uh, just, just nice. Yeah, you really, you really get the contrast. Stephanie Meyer does a really good job of setting up her normal human life, which is so important because the rest of the series is about her rejecting that and Edward being like, don't you want that? Don't you want that life? Don't you want to get to live your real human life? Yeah. And epilogue sets up so well with the the prom (laughs) sequence, which is like one of the few moments where I'm like, good on you, Edward. That's good. Good boy. Yeah, exactly. He he makes a few good choices. Very few, but they do exist. And like, if we didn't have the setup of Bella existing in the world, but still feeling so apart from it, still feeling like her day-to-day life is just something she does. And it's not even like, she's so like, almost like derealized from it, you know, like she's so like, okay, now I go to class and I try not to embarrass myself. And then I come home and I make sure Charlie eats and I do my homework. And she doesn't think that far ahead of like what she does really want to do. She's like, maybe I want to be an English teacher. Maybe I want to be a this, you know, but like, she is just like going through the motions. And then when she meets Edward and hears about his life and experiences this like love or obsession, I mean, you know, we, we can call it love. That's what she calls it. You know? Mm, Yeah. She's, she's like, that's, that's what I am meant to be. I am meant to like live in this world. And like, Mm -hmm. as someone who 
like just wishes they could live a million lives over because there's so much to do in this world. And like most people are that way, I would say. I, I, I like totally get her. She's like, why would I live one finite life when I could live any life I want forever with you? That sounds incredible. And it isn't until you become more of an adult, I think, that you do like realize the preciousness of like the ephemeral and of the temporary and of like growing and changing and being able to look back and like see the growth that you've experienced as a human. But there is still like that part of you that's like, but what if I could be a million things? What if I could like live a whole life as like a pirate on the sea? Or what if I could live like a whole life as, you know, a, a like Flaneur in Paris, you know? And like the Collins have done all of these things. Mm-hmm. So fascinating. Such a huge, their world is just so huge. And her world and the world of the people around her are so small and they're so content with it. I think that that's something that like a lot of young people can relate to also is like not just the romance and like the horniness and all of that, but also just like wanting their world to be so much bigger than it is and so much more magical than it is. Yeah, Yeah, I think like obviously at the beginning of the book, her world shrinks so much by moving from Phoenix to Forks. And Stephanie Meyer is from Mm -hmm. Arizona. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. I think that's a great setup for how constricting the world is and how I think it's very easy to be like, this is the new kid in my story. And that so like all the attention is on them. But it feels really right for her as you have this world just closing in and in and in on her. And she also is under similar levels of scrutiny as the Collins. Yeah. You know, the Collins stand out and so does Bella. There's this sort of like faded, you know, it's very Romeo and Juliet to me, where it's mm-hmm. like, Edward's been around for a little bit, but he's never fit in. And like Bella is brand new and she could never fit in. So like they could only fit with each other. And also I love, I I realized reading it again now, like Forks reads almost like a fairy tale land. Like there's a quote from like the Chronicles of Narnia that's like, always winter, never Christmas. Like Forks is like always raining. Like the sun doesn't shine, you know, like everything is like too green, like an alien planet. Everyone knows each other. Everyone's always watching. Like she has like this old car and like this old house. Everything just feels like a fairy tale. And the vampires, like, like the Collins almost couldn't exist in Arizona. It's too open. It's too bright. I mean, and she even like literally says as much like Mm -hmm. there's too much sunshine, like they couldn't be there. And like sunshine, light, illumination, it's like flat. There's like city, there's people, there's like all, you know, all this like heat, but the vampires can exist in a place that's like more mystical, more hidden. I think of like the woods and the moss and all of that. Mm -hmm. Like she creates this fairy tale land where we believe vampires coming out and we believe like werewolves exist here and we believe all of these things because Forks doesn't feel like a real place. But then also all the things that happen in the school and like in her family feel extremely relatable. So like it feels like we can access that fairy tale world as well, which is pretty brilliant, to be honest. I wanted to be a vampire so bad when I was reading these books that I would like wear all my like long sleeves and like hats and things like that to like make myself look paler and 
I don't know, I would like look at my teeth and be like, I wonder if I could like get my canines sharpened. Like I like genuinely wanted to be a vampire in like a very delusional way. And also in the books, it says frequently that Bella bites her lip, which is not a habit that I had. And so I developed it when I was like 11. And now I do it constantly. And my lips are always chapped and bleeding. And it's directly because I read Twilight and was like, I need to be like Bella. I need to start biting my lip. So I was probably like in the in my math class. Oh, man, I really wish you would show this video. It's like in my math class, like eh, biting my lip, like <laughs> constantly thinking I was like being yeah, interesting, even like flirty or whatever, like just that before and after everything I said. And it, it really is like those satire videos you see on the internet now of like girl that's not like other girls it's like so horrifying to think about anyway my lips are chapped now that might have been my favorite part of the book or at least as an adult revisiting it is when Bella is like trying to figure out flirting and is practicing and is like one of the most interesting things is that she is discovering her own sexuality, like mm-hmm. not only her desire, but how she is seen by others. It's so normal to go to have a kid be new at a school and everyone hates them. And yet she is the center of desire and everyone is interested in her. And that makes sense for like very practical reasons, but it's very off-putting to her or like disorienting at least. And I think I will always have the problem of like, well, that's not what it's like for me. Like I didn't have boys pounding down my door, showing up to take me to prom. That wasn't me but it really works for the book I think and it does because she wants because she discovers the first person that she wants to view her that way which is really I really enjoy that part too because I I, she makes such a clear distinction between like like wanted attention and unwanted attention and like how the same behaviors can be like so different depending on who they're coming from she enjoys Carlisle stitching her up and like helping her but like if charlie were to do the same thing she'd be like humiliated or like pushing it away because carlisle ends up being a new father figure for her um which the emo and also a little weird because she describes him as being so hot when she first meets I mean, everyone does. Every, like, uh, yeah. People will just be like, oh, yeah, Dr. Carlisle, that's sexy, doctor. <laughs> um, at some point, Bella comes home and mentions the Cullens, and Charlie is like, those are good people. The people of this town need to be nicer to the Cullens. I also just, while we're talking about Carlisle, Carlisle's played by Peter Patronelli, who I did not know, really. Like, I knew him as Carlisle. And then I watched Nurse Jackie, which is a phenomenal show. And he plays the biggest himbo douchebag just prancing Ugh. around being an absolute asshole so silly so funny great show and so like so polar i mean besides being a doctor he is a doctor otherwise so polar opposite to carlisle delightful him and kristen stewart have so much chemistry in all of their scenes together and something that a lot of people don't know is that peter auditioned for edward and got into like final rounds to play edward but he just was too old but he was also way too young to be Carlisle. Yeah, but I guess that works for it because I think they do say like, he's like early 20s. Like he's too young to even have gone to med school. I mean, that bothered me. This is tangential. Bothered me from like a relationship equality perspective is like Edward is such a smooth operator because he's had a century to learn how to do it. He has had a century, which is frustrating, but... I also noticed that the How Long Have You Been 17 series was 
in the car. It was not its own scene. It's like the biggest, most iconic scene of the movie. And it's yeah. kind of a passing moment. I love the whole mushroom ravioli scene. <laughs> yeah. For two people sitting at a very crowded restaurant and only one of them is eating and drinking Coke, it is a steamy scene. It's so, oh my God. I mean, first of all, the fact that she just glosses over him following her to Port Angeles and all of that. He does save her from like very real danger. That is the scariest scene in the book is when mm -hmm. she's being followed by human men just for the most, I don't want to say pedestrian, but like like you said, like a very human moment. That's the most terrifying moment in the book. Yeah, even like forget all the James stuff. Like she's so like chill with that too. She's like, if I die, I'm going to die. But then like, woo, yeah, that scene was very scary to me. And him saving her really secured that team Edward for me. But then yeah, them being in the restaurant, I guess because it, it does it's like a classic setting for a date. You're in a restaurant and like they are interested in each other, but it's like so almost it's like not romantic, but it is. But what they're talking about is like not very romantic. But then he'll be like, I like can't stay away from you anymore. You know, it's just and then there's also like the waitress that's like flirting with him and That's she's like jealous. Yeah. Oh, it's all so, so excellent. She says specifically that he like doesn't even glance at her, which of course it's what every girl wants. Yeah. What every girl wants in theory. Oh my god. Also, I, I would order mushroom ravioli at restaurants because Bella ordered it. I love that. I loved how bad she was at volleyball because it was Halloween, freshman year of high school. I did get bonked in the face with a volleyball and it broke my glasses. <gasps> and I got bonked in the face multiple times in that one year of gym class. But the, the volleyball thing was hilarious because it was from a very good friend. We were standing like one inch from the net on either side. And she was just so tall. <laughs> like it came down and That's just like bonked the side of my glasses because I am so small. I was going to say for context, everyone, in case you aren't aware, Aaron is 5'2". 5'0", baby. 5'0". Iconic of you. Wild that Rosalie and Jackson are supposed to be twins. Did not catch that at all the first time. Oh my god! It's yeah, like the hails. I think from Jessica. Yeah, right. Because they're both blonde. I oh, I like do have something to say yeah. about blondes, which is that Stephanie oh. Meyer hates them. You can so tell. That makes sense. Actually, yeah. Stephanie Meyer hates blondes. She really makes us hate, love hate Rosalie. Also, if anyone's read The Host. The, the main protagonist in that as well is brunette but also obviously like bella is described exactly like how stephanie meyer looks i just want to know like what blonde girl like did her wrong in like sixth grade because she really hates blondes and when i was reading twilight i was a blonde i am a natural blonde and i've spent my whole life not wanting to be a blonde and I have achieved it finally for the past few years. And I don't think I ever will be one again. But I think that that's where I started to hate being a blonde was during that era because it was like all of the protagonist girlies mm -hmm. were brunette. Yeah. And, and I was like, in order. were evil. Yeah. Yes. It's like Katniss was a brunette, you know, or had like dark, black, almost black hair and like Bella, like every protagonist that I was obsessed with, even like. 
Violet in a series of unfortunate events, Susan and Lucy in Arnie, I'm pretty sure we're both brunettes. And I wanted to be a brunette so bad. And my mom would not let me dye my hair forever because she's like, why would you ruin your like beautiful hair? Also, you're 10. I'm not dyeing your hair. Really tragic. And now I'm a redhead famously and I will never go back to being blonde again. And I really think that's where my disdain began was reading Twilight and wanting to be Bella Swan so intensely my mom has the same like real anti-blonde thing of i think like i think there was this like dichotomy even in media where the blonde girls are cheerleaders and pretty and get all the boys and get everything and never struggle and the brunettes are overlooked and smart but never get anything they want and are always glossed over and it growing up in like the aughts diversity and like representation was like if you had a brunette it was like that's representation baby that like that those were the crumbs that we were looking for. yeah representation was having a blonde a brunette and a redhead Th- that was it oh and stephanie meyer really really uh barely even fed into that <laughs> and also she's like we love alice alice is also a brunette mm-hmm. we hate rosalie blonde they're the only redheads are like not blonde no he's he's like bronze haired that's his own category what even is bronze hair has anyone ever i need someone to show me someone with bronze hair i guess it is like auburn or like strawberry blondish something like that i mean i guess they kind of achieved it in the movie but it was more just like brown with blonde warm blonde highlights yeah it's just a step softer than frosted tips and or just like yeah. spikiness oh yeah, yeah the spike tall. they all had a lot of gel in their hair those were the times those were the yeah. times baby god i remember when edward takes his shirt off in the movie the sparkles Yes, I do want to talk about the sparkles. Yeah, yeah. So I know that 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 almost potentially is the most ridiculed aspect of Twilight. Yeah, yeah, and also became such a calling card. Like all the merch was like my boyfriend sparkles. I had a a bookmark with all of them on it, like a photo of all the cast members, and like their skin was like glittery, metallic something. it was like such a calling card and like but honestly i think it was pretty inventive considering yeah. that all the other vampire media at the time was like you burn in the sunlight you disintegrate you just can't be in it mm-hmm. i love the idea that it's like no you just become so beautiful and it like yeah. gives you away um yeah, like it works mechanically absolutely and like good on stephanie for figuring that out i enjoy all of the like Things that she adjusts within, yeah, like vampire and werewolf canon. Because that, I mean, that really was like the wave at the time, you know, with stuff like, like Blue Bloods was starting to like. True, yeah, True Blood. Be a thing. Yeah. True Blood, yes. Mm-hmm. Blue Bloods. Which, True Blood. books, Blue Bloods just got canceled. There's like a newsletter that uh, Renee Bishop had me sign up for. They just got the announcement of like Blue Bloods ends with season 14. But I've read the first like three True Blood books. Those books are fast. They are absurd. And Elvis is in them. 
they're like set in the south right like Louisiana. all the vampires yeah. are like talking oh that's hot i love that mm-hmm. so much it really was yes. the era of like taking taking vampires and werewolves and witches but mostly vampires and werewolves and putting them in different places i loved it yeah, the lead i loved it in that the main love interest in true blood was a confederate soldier and uh, <gasps> like the beginning of true blood is like yeah the vampires all came out and we're like we're here surprise we've always been here and so everyone just like knows now <laughs> and they're just like trying to assimilate into society oh that's a, that's so great why was also i mean well jasper was a confederate soldier why are there so many confederate <laughs> vampires weird we don't need to redeem them they can die yeah, why couldn't fucking, I don't know, like, James have been one? Why did Jasper have to be one when we're supposed to love him? But also, I mean, he really wasn't that lovable ever. I'm like, Alice, girl, you do better. I didn't you remember know? Alice's If you had a crush story. on Alice. Oh, yes, the yeah. asylum. I felt James was, like, very tacked on and I think, like, could have been smoothed out. But I think the Alice thing was genuinely interesting. And I think like opening up the world of vampires is sort of like a great way to end the book because that becomes so much of a bigger thing. I think especially in the in Eclipse, the third. Yeah. One. Well, you find like, out that two is like werewolves, and then book three yeah. is Italy. Yeah, is like all the, is a lot of the Volturi stuff. All I remember from Eclipse, not really. I remember a lot, but like the main thing I remember is like the tent scene. I know this is straying from the initial (laughs) Twilight brief, but I just want to, in case anyone doesn't know, in Eclipse, they take Bella to like a remote mountain in the winter in the Pacific Northwest to like hide her from some vampires. And she's like freezing. She's like in a, a, a sleeping bag inside a tent and Edward and Jacob are both there. But because Edward doesn't give off any body heat, they're cuddling and he's like trying to warm her up. And she's like so frozen that Jacob's like, I could warm her up better than you can. And then he like strips to his undies i think maybe just his pants but he definitely removes his shirt yeah werewolf and crawls yes right because he's he's turned into a werewolf and they run like feverish like hot all the time and so he crawls into this sleeping bag and cuddles with bella at least half naked in front of edward and then edward can read his thoughts Edward reads his thoughts and is like, can you please calm down your thoughts? Because Jacob's so horny. Can you imagine that is the wildest scene? And Bella just pretending to be asleep because she doesn't, doesn't want to yeah. deal. Watching that movie with your parents and also just pretending to be asleep because it's just... <laughs> God, oh man, I loved that so much. There was a moment when I was reading Eclipse where I was like, maybe I am Team Jacob actually, just because Edward is being objectively the worst in Eclipse and Jacob is doing sassy, hot things like that. There's a lot of moments that I just wish Stephanie Meyer would have written like a rated R version because yeah. there it's all so steamy. I mean, Twilight's the reason I started reading fan fiction, you know, because I was like, need more than closed mouth kisses. Google.com, Edward and Bella have sex. Let me read that. Like, <laughs> I also started writing collaborative fan fiction because of the host. There was this thing back in like 2007, 2008 where you would have like 
essentially they would be like message boards, but they would be based on books and you would make a profile and you would choose a character and it would all be organized by like just teenagers essentially. And they'd be like, okay, so like April, you're going to be playing Alice. And so then you would pick like an actor to be your like face claim. Oh my God, this is all so intense. And then you would like make a little like glittery gif that you would put at the bottom of all of your posts and it would be like Alice and it would have pictures of of whoever you had like headcanoned as Alice and then the message boards would be like threads of like basically collaborative improvised storytelling and like writing so you'd like start a thread and you would like tag the other characters that you wanted to respond and be in the scene. And then you'd log on and be like, Alice walks up to the lunch table at Forks High School. She flips her short hair and sits down with an apple she's not going to eat. Jasper, how was your day today? And you would leave that post. And then whoever's playing Jasper on the website would log on at some point because you're all, all over the world and would respond and continue the thread and continue the story. That was like my first instance of like writing fiction in my whole life was that. And I was playing uh, an original character in a The Host blog or, or message or I forget what we used to call them. They were like RPGs. Yeah, they were essentially yeah. role play games. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, the internet. It was really cool back then. But I was also pretending yeah. to be 16 and like Classic. had made yeah. up a fake name and said that I was like living in a different state because I was so scared of people on the internet because people had fear of the internet back then, Mm -hmm. which I think more people should have now. I was thinking about this earlier. There is a season one episode of Buffy that is don't go into online chat rooms is the moral of the story. And at one point in high school, we were doing like a media literacy, like how to be safe on the internet class. And I had to be like, guys, I hate to quote Buffy, but here's a quote from Buffy. If I'm in the elderly Danish woman chat room, who's to say I'm not an elderly Danish woman? And there's also a line from that episode where they, like, they're with all the computer geeks and someone, <laughs> like one of the bad guys is like, I'm jacked in. I'm jacked in. And I say that every day. I say that every day. (laughs) That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh my God. That's horrifying. It's like I'm hacking into the mainframe. Firewall. Yeah, exactly. But like I'm jacked in. I'm jacked in. Terrifying. Season one, episode nine. Oh my God. I've actually never watched Buffy. I know. I know. It's worth it. It has its bad parts. Like the the last season. Yeah, the last season's pretty weak. Season four is, is has its problems, but when it's good. And also, like, I think just such an interesting companion with this because Buffy is, is such the opposite of Bella. And there's, like, she has an Edward who I think is, like, 200 years old. And when they have sex for the first time, he loses his soul and becomes evil <gasps> on her birthday. On her birthday. Um, and so she has to, yes, Season two of Buffy, and season one is only 12 episodes because they got picked up mid-season. Season two of Buffy is some of the best media ever made and so good. And then there's like a bad boy vampire who's British and like wearing all leather and like red. And they Wait, have is a this is, is his Spike. Is his name Spike? Yes. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oh! Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the actor who plays Spike, like Bucky did not get the awards acclaim that it deserved, probably because it was on like the WB and sci-fi and that just happens. But James Marsters, who plays Spike, phenomenal actor. So it was Sarah Michelle Gellar, so it was Allison Hannigan, just a stellar cast. And the hill wow. I'll die on is that everyone hates Michelle Trachtenberg's character and she doesn't deserve it. She's a child. And that's why they don't like her. She's a child. Michelle Trachtenberg ran the early 2000s. A lot of people wanted her to play Bella. That makes sense. That it was makes like, sense. Her... like her and Ice Princess. Yes. Um, oh my God. I was obsessed with Ice Princess. And I realize now it's because I was gay for Michelle Trachtenberg. Yeah. Oh, who was the other one though? Um, Stephanie Meyer. Okay. Oh, I do want to talk about this. Stephanie Meyer's oh, website. Henry Cavill? Oh. Well, yes. Yes. So Stephanie Meyer's website, stephaniemeyer.com, was one of my most frequented websites because not only would she like post movie updates and things like that, um, like sometimes she would just like post random blogs about what she was thinking about or like little tidbits about the writing process. But she at one point posted her headcanons for like who she would cast as like all of these characters. And yeah, she thought Henry Cavill. Cavill? She thought Superman should be Edward. Yeah, he's really hot, but not Edward-esque. Yeah. Yeah. And then she wanted Emily Browning as Bella, who played Violet in in a series of unfortunate events. But I think what's so funny to me is that I really think that the reason that Kristen Stewart was such an it girl for not like other girls romantic movies is because she is gay. Like that intangible thing that made her so not like other girls was her masculinity, was her gay, like coming off of her. Um, And I think like it got girls who might not have been interested in things like Twilight. mm -hmm. You just like attracts like, you know, you can sense Mm -hmm. it. Even if you, that's, there's a character that comes in in season three of Buffy named Faith that that was one of my first like, yeah. Oh, I know about Faith, actually. <laughs> Just from being gay and being on TikTok, I know about Faith. And I I even know about the kiss that was supposed to happen and then became a cheek kiss or something like, or a forehead kiss. I know oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah, when she's like, when Buffy is tied up. Yes, and they're supposed or, to. And then, and then in the dream episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I would get bored in high school, I would just list out the names of all 144 episodes of Buffy in order. Whoa. You had them memorized like that? Yeah. My best friend would do like names of countries because uh, she was a little more productive with her time. I definitely used to like doodle like Bella and Edward like in a heart, you know, like not even like shipping myself with anyone, but just shipping them before the word ship was like even a thing. I remember being like someone telling me like, do you ship Bella and Edward or do you ship Jacob and Bella and I was like the fuck does that mean what a time to be alive actually like to go into a hot topic at that time in 2008 hot topic was 90% twilight and the other 10% was nightmare before Christmas oh yeah it was like a merch store and Mm -hmm. a sex store but like like shitty terrible dildos and like fake handcuffs you remember yeah. the back, the back of, of, or wait, no, that was Spencer's. That was Spencer's. Spencer's. Fuck, they were next to each other in my mall. And it was mm-hmm. like the corner of the mall that I wasn't allowed to go to. Either one. But oh yeah, fuck. 
Wow. I really, I do blame Stephanie Meyer for a lot of my lingering, like sexual horny triggers. And so much of them come back to Twilight and the host. And I, but I also have to thank her, I think, because I don't know if I would have, I like held off on dating like stupid like middle school dating because I was like no I'm not gonna date until someone that like I am in love with which is like such a like so Christian and like you know it's so like western Christian mentality but honestly like I am I'm like glad that it happened and I do wonder like if I was just like being a normal middle schooler I might have like had like a normal middle school boyfriend but instead I was like no I'm gonna wait until I'm in love until I have like a love like Bella and Edward and then by the time I had that I was like again I was in my not like other girls phase and was like Mm -hmm. no fuck Twilight that's an abusive relationship it's like girl you're in an abusive relationship look in the mirror (laughs) the call is coming from inside the house inside the Cullen's glass modernist house. It made me feel good for being a romantic, which mm-hmm. I have fully realized that like I I am. Like that part of me like being like a desperate romantic and being like a lot like Bella in that every like little glance or whatever was so meaningful to me. I really think that that was innate. Like I don't think that that was like the lip bite thing where I like curated it because of the book. I do think that that was innate and I think that it made me feel good about it as I was turning into a teenager and an adult. How do you feel having come off the experience of of revisiting it as an adult? I actually reread the whole series in 2020. So I had read it as an adult, but even that, you know, being a few years ago, I I feel like it made me feel so connected to little me and it made me like so want to give her a hug and also like a pat on the head and be like, oh, don't worry. You'll have sex someday. <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't worry. You're so worried that you're not going to have this great love. And like, it also made me realize like how much the adults that were condemning it so deeply, like, just let the kids read the books, you know, like just let them read yeah, it wasn't a healthy relationship, but I don't actually think that it was affecting kids nearly as deeply as as all the adults were like claiming because it is just how kids think and how teenagers think and feel. And I actually think it was it was probably way more validating than I expected it to be. Um and it's fun as fuck and I am definitely deep in my twilight era and don't feel like I need to be ashamed of it. Yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? Yeah. Oh, no, please. I'm so excited for this question. (laughs) Would you consider it required reading? I do consider it required reading. (laughs) I think that if you have ever been a teenage girl, and if you have never been a teenage girl, you need to read it and understand that point of view. And also, it is fun. It is horny. It's a fast read. It's so entertaining. It's pure entertainment. And I think that everyone needs to get it as a cultural reference because it was the culture at that point. And you need to understand 2007. I just want to know if people were team Edward or team Jacob or team anything else. My mom was team Alice. And I just, she would always say that she was team Alice. And she actually got her hair cut like Alice's in the movie at one point and she read the books with me and we named our cat Jasper 
RIP Jasper. He was the best cat I've ever had. And not yeah. a Confederate soldier. No, just an orange boy. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you for coming. Where can people find you? Where do you want to be found? Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name. It's April Consolo. Follow me on there. And Maybe I'll follow you back. Hannibal Mukbang. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully it will be able to be viewed um, not at film festivals soon. You can also listen to me in a world of teenage vampires, werewolves, and witches on the podcast Queer PG. Season one, we play Monster Hearts. Obviously, I have a history with RPGs and um, they're still a part of my life today. So you can listen to it um, wherever you get your podcasts. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Erin. Oops, I'm a little late. Thank you so much to April for coming on the podcast. What a fun episode. One little postscript I wanted to add. Stephanie Meyer had her dream that inspired the entire Twilight series less than two weeks after the Buffy series finale. I do not think it is a coincidence. Friends and family, I do not think it is a coincidence. Next week, or whenever the next episode drops, I don't know. It's the holidays. Uh, oh, yeah, we will not be having an episode next week because I will be traveling. And I'm not going to bring my laptop because I'm disconnecting. So we'll see you in the new year with Where the Red Fern Grows with Carly O'Brien. Tuck in. You will cry. All right, I'll see you then. My name, or excuse me, it is my name. You can find me everywhere at Aaron R. Bowles. The R stands for Rashi, even though I don't have any. Um, but here's the thing. I have those bumps on the side of my arms, you know? That that some people just have always had. Maybe I just need to to moisturize, you know. All right, a little too personal. Love you so much. Thanks for listening. I will see you in the new year, or I will. I'll see your ears. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs>